Do you know that God curses? I'm, I'm going to see if you're up this morning. Do you know that God curses? I was in the back room getting ready, and the Lord gave me a curse. The Lord was cursing somebody out, and I got to hear a little bit of it. It was almost like I got into the radio station of Talk Jesus, you know, like Talk FM. I got into the radio station of Talk Jesus, and I just heard him cursing. He was cursing the devil. He was telling him, you're a damn liar. I'm telling you, I heard that in my spirit. Somebody say spirit. I heard it in my spirit. The Lord was rebuking Satan on your behalf. Have you read the book of Job lately? Jesus interacts with these spirits. And he was cursing out Satan. And he was telling him, Satan, you are a damned liar. And the moment I heard that in my spirit, I, I started thinking about all the lies that I had been battling with this year. And every one of them proved to be false. And so I joined in with Jesus cursing the devil. And I said, devil, you're a damn liar. I started joining in with Jesus cursing out the devil. Telling him, devil, every time you told me my children weren't going to make it this year and you put the worst fear in my mind about something happening to my children. Devil, you were a damn liar then and you're a damn liar now. Every time I thought about the lies, he told me, Joe, you're doing too much. You're pastoring. You're, you're, you're a father. You're a husband. You're in doctorate you know, school and all of this. You're not going to make it. You're going to lose your mind. I just joined in cursing him out, saying, you're a damn liar, Satan. You are a liar, and you are going straight to the fire. I just want to know, is there anybody here today that wants to curse out the devil for all of his lies, for all the things he put into your spirit this year, all the battles you had to go through? You damn liar, why'd you wake me up to tell me that lie? And I just want to tell you this. When he wakes you up to tell you those lies and your heart's racing and all that, you make sure you pray for 10 other people. After you get your breakthrough, you pray for 10 other people and he'll stop waking you up. Because he realizes every time I mess with this one, this one just goes at me tenfold. I give them one fear, they put 10 back on me. We have to understand he's a liar. And so when you look back on this year and all those fears, all those things that he told you, man, they were lies. Come on, somebody tell him, Satan, you're a damned liar. You're a damned liar. The verdict's already been given against you. The verdict's already given against you. You are damned. You are going to hell. There is no second or third chances for you, Satan. And in the name of Jesus, I bind you over my life. I bind you over this church. I bind you over this city, over this nation. Come on, and now let's just praise God that he told us the truth. 
that he told us the truth. Thank you, Jesus, for every promise you gave us. You've never lied to us. You've never let us down. Come on, think about three things you went through this year that you didn't think you were going to make it through. But you are here because God was good to you. God was faithful. Somebody needs to praise God. Somebody needs to praise God as if they were almost in an accident, but God spared you. Somebody needs to praise God as if they were going to commit suicide, but God gave you another life. Somebody needs to praise God as if they were going to lose their mind this year, but you are here today. Come on. Somebody needs to praise God like they've seen him do miracles. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Come on, let's keep worshiping with the heart of gratitude. to get that microphone, the, the portable mic. I want to get about three or four of you to come up here and tell us how the devil was a damned liar, but God was good in your life in 2019. And you can start off by just saying, I know he's a liar. You can just go right into your testimony. But I want to have us testify. So let's keep standing. And just a few of you, would you come here right up here if you want to testify? Come on up here, Chris. We'll start with you and Monica, uh, Monique rather. Come on, let's go. Just tell the people, testify. You'll go next. You'll go next. Come on. Amen, amen. So for me, uh, through the whole year, for a few years, I struggled really deeply with sexual perversion. Even though I knew the word, even though I was trying to apply it, I just could not seem to get away from aspects of my past that had really sank in deep. And I was just praying and praying, and it got to the point where God was just like, you need to cut off everything that would even bring it, anything that gets into your mind that says, hey, I, you make up in your mind right now that you are, are not going back to that. You Come make on. up in your mind Amen. right now. You say, I will cut it off like a cancer. The moment I said, Lord, I'm willing to do anything you ask, finally, in the, in the past days, Ooh. in the months, I can Thank walk you, around, go out outside and not feel a Jesus. thing for anybody other than my wife. Come on. I never, all week, all year long, all I would hear is, Jesus. you are going to be that same guy. You're Come never going to change. You're never going to change. Jesus. But the Lord said it to me. That's right. And I didn't believe it, but I actually experienced it. And it's the craziest and greatest thing Woo. I've ever experienced in my life. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you want to support him? That was it, or do you have your own? You have your own too. Amen. Come on. I, I thank God for that and to see the, the amazing things that God has done in my family and my husband's heart and my own heart. But 
for myself personally, I wanted to testify that I experienced many lies of the enemy about, you know, my, uh, I lost one of my, my jobs um, at the beginning of this year. I, I kept hearing the lie that we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it. And, Come on. And then I had, you know, different health scares and things like that. And, and I, I started to experience, like, anxiety with my health again yeah. towards the end of the year. And I, I was hearing all these lies, but when I would stand on the truth and take the, make the effort to worship God, even in the midst of my fears and my worries and, and my terrors yeah, and my anxieties, on. I experienced God's comfort. I experienced you, his Lord. peace. Thank and you, God Jesus. has blessed us greatly. God has helped us make it. Even though I yes. lost that one job, mm. God still blessed us and carried us. And we had more than enough and allowed us to bless others. And God has, has made me stable in my health and removed my anxieties. And I just wanted to say God is so good when you worship him. Him. Through pain, through sadness, through fear, God is good and faithful mm. to deliver you. Woo. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Powerful. Powerful. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. God has been good personally to me in so many ways. 2019 has been a year of freedom from shame. Mm. Come on. <laughs> and um, a lot of you guys don't know um, my testimony. Um, We've been in Metro Prairie since I was like 15. Mm. They had evangelized to us in front of Prosser Academy. On. So evangelism does work, guys. It does work. Amen. When I went to college, I fell away from the Lord. I got um, really hooked on drugs, mm. like really bad. Um, and I was in an abusive relationship. And um, I had lost myself for a long time. I had lost my spirituality, my relationship with my mom, just everything. I felt mm. like scum of the earth. I felt mm. like nobody would love me. Like, I wasn't mm. worthy enough for things that I have now. Mm. And, um, like, I just felt like, like like that stuff wasn't for me. Like, my life is good now, you know, I'm in church. But, like, the good things of God is not for me. And 2019 has just been a breakthrough from the lies of the devil that the, the, that the things of God are not for me because I don't deserve them. Now I have a husband. Yes. Having, having a baby. That's for you. you know? Amen. Congratulations. I've been, I've been sober, you know. Praise and, God. Um, it's really important for me to say this. I got a word January uh, January 8th, 2016, and it was from you, Pastor Joe. Mm. And you said it was for somebody here. And you said that, that God says that if you don't touch it, the Lord will take the cravings away. Come on. And from that moment, I gave my life to the Lord again. I never Amen. touched it, and I never craved it again. Amen. All glory to God. Come on. Amen. God bless you. Praise God. I love these testimonies. Oh, man. man, if you knew me, man, you wouldn't know how much the devil's been lying to me all year. I went into, I went into 2019. I went to one thing, and as they were doing the New Year's countdown, I was screaming at the top of my lungs with my hands raised. I kept saying, Hallelujah. And I will say it again, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I, saw, I told the Lord then at the end of that year, at this very moment, I will still be praising you. And I will be shouting hallelujah. I will be shouting the highest mm. praise for Come you. on. Amidst Amen. every lie. <laughs> when I had to move out with my mother and I had to hear her cry every night. Because my father was cheating with a woman from work. I got kicked out of my high school for some missing credits. When I got my blessings taken, taken away from me. From 
being a youth leader, finding my purpose in preaching to the youth and seeing them saved and seeing revival in all the high schools in Chicago. When I got fired from my job that the Lord blessed me with, the devil kept telling me I'm not enough. The devil kept telling me I was never going to be enough. The same lies that he told the 14-year-old me that left me so depressed and broken. Come on. He's a liar. The same place where I was all alone, I felt like I was. These past few months, with my life breaking apart and my cousin passing away, and with everything happening in my life, I felt so broken. But the Lord has never given up. He's always loved me. That's right. I can say this has been the worst year of my life, but I can also say it's been the best. Because like now more than never before, I've seen God's love ring out for me in my life. Amen. When I'm separated from this body in Christ, when I go flee in my own my own foolishness, I remember. I hear him calling out to me to come running to his word. Mm. <laughs> he never fails. Mm. Just now in worship, I hear him. <laughs> when I felt like no one cared about me, when no one cares, God cares. That's right. And I say you, it now. I will go into this next year and I will trust in him and I will always say hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's right. Jason, why don't you stand up here? Let's pray for you. There you go. Just stay right here, brother, because I want the others to get around you as well. You can turn and face me, man. Let's get some of the youth leaders. The devil lies to us. He tries to deceive us with sin, and then he comes and takes advantage of that. I pray that what you've sowed this year in tears, you reap a harvest of joy. What you've sowed this year in the tears, what you've gone through, will develop you into a mature disciple that you will grow from this and look back at this as your foundation. The things that were out of your control, you will learn to trust God and say, I'm not quitting from this point forward. The quit is gone faithfulness, faithfulness in your heart. And whatever mistakes you made, we say they are forgiven on behalf of Christ. As you have prayed, we stand as the church and tell you they are forgiven and that your future is bright and that what God has for you, no one can take away. May this year now be a year of prosperity and blessing. May you sense God in ways you never have before. There was a lesson in the prodigal son year, but this is a new year coming forward. You're going to learn the lesson of a king's kid this year, how to stay in the father's house, how to reap blessings, and how to grow and impact others. For that calling is still upon your life to be used to touch young adults for Jesus. Amen. Come on, saints. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's sing it over our brother. Let's sing it over our brother. The enemy's been defeated and death couldn't hold you. Come on, that's for you today. Come on, as we're singing that over our brother today. Who else today needs to sing it over their life? 
There's resurrection power today for you. There's resurrection power for your life, your marriage, for whatever you're facing. There's a new year coming. Hallelujah. And death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. Come on. If you need victory this year, come on to these altars. If you want to end this year in victory, come to these altars right now. We're going to pray for those who want to see victory. Come on, victory. 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 Victory in the name of Jesus. Victory. New victories. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, sister. New victories. New victories. Hallelujah. Jesus. We're going to lift it up. In just a moment, we're all going to shout across this room. But I want to make sure some of you heard me. If you want to end this year in victory over something specific in your life, I want you to meet me at these altars. I still believe in you coming to receive. Altars are a place to come to receive. You had to come to physical Jesus when he walked the earth. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here and he's asking you to come to these altars as a step of faith. Just as if you had had to come to Jesus when he walked the shores of Galilee. Who wants to end this year in victory? Specifically for something going on in your life. We're going to believe God right now and shout out. We're going to break the power of the enemy. We're going to stand in the victory of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. A few moments for some of you to get out your seats and make a declaration. This is for me. This is for me. Whether it's healing, whether it's financial, relationship-wise, something in your own walk with God. Come on, who knows you've been battling something this year and you're going to step out right now and say, I've got the victory in Jesus' name. Even if it doesn't look like it, even if I don't feel like it, I believe it. A few moments right now, let the Lord convict you if you remain where you're at and then walk out here the same way you came in. I'm waiting for a few more of you because you're just, you're just uh, being a little bit of a party pooper. You're making this more difficult than it has to be. A few more moments for someone else to come from where they are and say, this is my year. It starts right now. I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait for someone to say it's 2020. My year starts right now. The year of the Lord's favor is starting right now. The year of breakthrough is right now. And just like, and just like Cynthia Jr. here, when she was up here, she was saying, I received that word. I received that word. You have to receive it when you know it's for you. Come on, we're just going to sing this chorus and then we're going to give a shout out. But as we sing this chorus again, especially for those up here at the front, let's sing it as a prayer. And death couldn't hold. Come on, say it like you believe it as you pray it through. I'm going to lift my voice up today, God. I believe the enemy 
has been defeated over this area. Sickness has been defeated. Poverty has been defeated. Depression has been defeated. Broken relationships have been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. Addiction's been defeated. Come on, one more time. One more time. And then we're just going to shout out, okay? No more singing after this. We're just going to shout it out. Just like they did when they went around the walls of Jericho. One, two, three, shout! Hallelujah! I believe! I believe! Victory! Victory in Jesus! I would have been at this altar. I would have been at this altar. I needed that. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Sweet breakthrough. There's nothing like breakthrough. There's nothing like freedom. There's nothing like knowing you are in the perfect will of God, pleasing Him, and that He's with you. There is nothing like that. Oh, Lord, we breathe in your freedom. We exhale our praise. Come on, breathe in the freedom and exhale praise today. Come on, get into the rhythms of grace. Breathe in that freedom and exhale your praise. Get into the rhythms of grace. I pray over each one of us that just as you have to learn how to breathe when you swim, you got to get in the rhythm of breathing. The reason why most people freak out when they swim is because they can't breathe with their head in the water. You have to learn to take your head out the water to breathe and then to keep swimming. Some of you feel like you're always drowning because you haven't learned the rhythms of grace. Daniel understood the rhythms of grace. So he could be in a lion's den. He could be in a situation just as bad as yours, if not worse, but be totally in a different mind space and head space than many of us are in those times. He learned the rhythm of grace. He didn't feel like he was drowning. He learned how to breathe in freedom. Breathe in the presence of God. Breathe in the promises of God. Breathe in the love of God. And he knew how to exhale and to let out his praises. Come on, breathe in. 
breathe out. Just sing that for me, Rachel. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe out. A little bit slower. Breathe in. Breathe in. And now breathe out. Breathe Breathe in grace. Breathe in love. Your body was meant to be a reflection of your spirit. Everything going on in the physical has has an original in the spirit. You were meant to breathe in glory. You were meant to breathe in the peace of God and never die and never have a trouble in your life. And then to exhale the praise of God, that's what the Garden of Eden relationship was. It was glorious. The atmosphere filled with glory, your body filled with glory. And so I don't just pray for a momentary uh, breakthrough here that you don't know how to live out out there. I take these moments serious, and I will steward them as as your pastor, as our leader here. I will steward these. So what you felt, what you experienced was very real. But what will wait for you out there is the same problems. And so you have to learn the rhythms of grace. I have to learn the rhythms of grace. You You have to perfect that which God is teaching us to do. That way we don't freak out every time we find ourselves in these situations. But we can be like Jesus in perfect peace on the boat, even though the whole thing's going going down in one sense. It feels like, you know, the wind, the waves, it's going to take us down. But Jesus is still asleep because he knows the promise is greater. Lord, I pray for all of us here. We will steward the grace you give us, and we will have a rhythm that we dance with you in, oh God. We'll dance with the divine this year, and that we will see these things come to pass, the things you've promised. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus today. God bless you. Slap somebody high five and say, this is your year. Amen, amen. I take these moments very serious. Praise God. I'm going to talk to you about having 2020 vision for the year 2020. How many ready for that? How many ready to have 2020 vision for the year 2020? I know I am. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. You know, there was a lot of people that was here that day when Cynthia heard that word that what you let go of, God will take from you. But I can guarantee you there's still many people bound. And the difference between Cynthia being free and those people being bound is that she received that word. I can't tell you how many altar calls I've done as a pastor where I've seen people up at the front, and I can't even tell you how many I've been in myself. But what makes the difference to whether or not you walk out if you're different is whether or not you believe. When you think about Jesus walking and all the sick people around him, there was only a certain amount of miracles that would go forth. And a woman with the issue of blood, she wanted it so bad, she pressed in and touched Jesus and got her miracle And when he said, who touched me, everybody thought that was weird. The disciples did because they were like, man, you're you're in a crowd. Everybody's touching you. But he knew that when she touched him, when she touched him, that that was a touch of faith. That was her reaching out. And so God knows those here who are religious and, and those who are wanting to go through the motions and those who are touching Jesus. I'm not saying every day you need a breakthrough, but sometimes you do. 
sometimes you live in the crazy, you know, and it just feels like every day you need it. But I'm telling you, when you are facing your hardships and your trials, you must, you must reach out and touch Jesus. I, I just can't tell it to you any more simply than that. And even in my life as a pastor, there, there is no different road that I must go down than that road of humility and the road of pouring out my heart to God. Because, you know, as you get more experience in the things of God, you think maybe there's a shortcut. That's why I've talked to you. If you want to learn about dieting, uh, just talk to a fat person. Fat people know all about dieting. I'm serious. I was a fat diet expert. I weighed 280 pounds, and I knew more about dieting than skinny people. I had done every possible diet that you can think of. Come on, some fat people. Don't be shy up in here. It's okay to be fat. I was fat. Jesus still loves you. Just more to love. Okay, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I knew more about dieting than skinny people because I became an expert at failing. I became an expert at failing. I started this one, and then I failed it, and then I read about this, and then I failed it, and then I started this, and then I failed it. And if you would have tried to come at me teaching me about dieting, I wouldn't have listened to you. I didn't listen to many who were trying to help me because I felt I knew better. I knew that. I knew that. I, I've already read that. I already know about that. You could have been, I'm telling you, you could have been the most per perfect and shaped person trying to convince me to do something different, and I wouldn't have listened because I already knew that. I already knew that. I already, I already knew that. I knew that. But I was still fat. You see, you meet a lot of fat people who are dietitian experts, but they're not healthy living experts. They know all about the diet. They know all about the, the pitch. They can sell you Herbolife. They know all about how it's supposed to work. They can tell you all about caloric intake and all of that, but they haven't put it into practice yet. And you see, we have to get out of the mindset that Christianity is just a head belief. See, there's many of you that when I talk about being free, you're like, I know that. I know that, but you're not that. You see, you know that, but you're not that. You know about freedom, but you're not free. You know about having God be in your daily life, devotions. I, I know you already got three devotionals. You're trying to pick out which one you're going to read this year. You've already got your pink journal, and you're going to journal and all that. I know you already know all that, but the problem is you don't know how to be that. You don't know how to do that. Many, many, many get caught in this, under, in, in this false understanding that if I just get it up here, I can have it here, and that's not true. And, and so for me, I know a lot of fat pastors, out of shape pastors, but they know everything I can tell them. I talk to them all the time. Well, you, you know, you got to make time to pray. You got to make time to witness. Oh, but I've done that and I'm still depressed. No, you didn't do it right then. I, I, I can't tell you another way. It's not like for me now serving the Lord for 20 years, it's not like now Jesus says to me, there's this secret way just for you to get what you need out of, out of, uh, you know, out of heaven, to bring heaven down to earth. No, it's the same exact way I received it when I was 18 years old. Only the hungry get fed, and you've got to admit you're hungry. Only those who are weak get made strong, and you got to admit you're weak. Only those who seek find, and you got to seek. You just can't go to bed. You've got to hear what the Lord is speaking to you at night or in the morning and get out of bed and start pursuing 
that which you want to see God do in your life. And so as we come into this new year, we need to take it out of just the headspace, just going, oh, I know that. I know I'm a, I'm a Bible expert. I'm a prayer expert. I'm a going to church expert. I'm a discipleship expert, whatever. We need to get out of that headspace and come into the heart space and say, Jesus, I need you to transform me. I need you to be real in my life. It's not just good enough for me to say I believe it or to talk about it or to occasionally get around those who are doing it. No, I need to personally experience it. So I'm here today to share with you how to have 2020 vision for the year 2020. And when we see the play on words there, you know where I'm going with that. But let me just explain. Many of us have to wear glasses because we don't have 2020 vision. I have astigmatism. My eye is shaped more like a football than a baseball, and it brings me both bad cases. I have both uh, nearsightedness and farsightedness, you know, so I'm, I'm bad. You know, I, I have the real thick kind of glasses, and when I wear contacts, I have to wear the real thick ones, the gas permeable ones, and that's why I stopped wearing them because they were so uncomfortable. Some of you are like, I fall asleep in my contacts. Oh, no, not me. Some of you are like, I forgot I had my contacts on. Oh, not me. I knew I had them on all the time. It literally felt like I was taking a piece of glass and putting it on my eye work for many years. And then I just said, man, forget this. And when I go to the eye doctor, he doesn't just say to me, well, this is the way your eyes were made. This is how you're always going to see. So let's just leave you this way. No, what he does is he shows me a chart of 2020 vision. How many have seen those charts? This is what you're supposed to see. You're supposed to see this. And in other words, he asked me, can I help you to see that? Now, if I wasn't there, uh, if, if I didn't you know, have that in my heart, why would I even be there? Could you imagine me being there with my glasses off and I can't read the words? Everybody look behind there and see how big those words are. I cannot make them out. I cannot make them out. Now, if I go to the eye doctor and he starts giving me, you know, the different lenses in the machine, asking me if it's, you know, if I can see it better and all that, and I start getting offended at him, and I start saying, why are you judging me? He's going to look at me like, man, why did you come here? What is wrong with you? Judging you? I'm not, I'm stating the fact. You don't have 20-20 vision. That's a fact. Here's another fact. I know how to get you 2020 vision. Now just cooperate and I'll get you there. And then he just starts flicking it. And you know, which one's better, worse, better, worse, until finally, wow, I get a prescription and now I can read 2020. Come on, somebody. That's God even working in the natural world. Doctors and medicine, it all comes from God. And so put it in the spiritual. What did you come here for? For me to look at your blurry cross-eyed vision and say, yeah, all right? Yeah, right? I'm not going to lie to you. Many of you are not all right. You're not okay. A lot of people, when we're preaching about Jesus, they don't have time because they say they're good. They're not good. They're blind. And so what we have to understand is that God wants to, he wants to give us 20-20 vision as a Christian, that kind of is the entrance into being born again. And then as we live our life, our vision can change. Just as natural vision changes over life, 
We got some old folks here, don't want to point them out, but maybe some of you over 50 are starting to have to get the bifocals or make your cell phone super big like my dad. And I look at my dad's thing, he's, he can only fit like, like one sentence on his phone from a text, you know? It's like 150 font. It's like he has to scroll through this whole thing, it's, you know? But that's, you know, that's just part of aging. You done, listen, you did nothing wrong to have that happen. Just your vision changes. And, and if we are not careful, we may not be doing something wrong in the sense of sinning, breaking God's commands. But our vision can become blurry when we're not doing what God asks us to do. Which we know that also can count as a sin, knowing the good you ought to do, the Bible says, and not do it. That is a sin. But you know what I mean. You're looking at your life going, I'm good. Man, I've been coming to church for years. I'm not looking at pornography. I'm not cheating on my, my spouse. I give my tithe and offering. But all of a sudden, you're, you're waking up day to day, and you're realizing your vision has changed. And so you're trying to figure it out by looking at all the, the don't lists. You know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. And you're like checking it off going, man, I'm good. I don't murder, I don't steal, I don't lie. But you're not looking at, and I'm not looking at, the other things that we're supposed to do, which is be spirit-led and let God guide us day by day. I can wake up in the morning and have blurry vision if I don't pray for an hour. But praying for an hour in my life is, is normal. And it should be normal for everybody. But there's not a certain command that says, thou shalt pray for an hour every day. But I look at life and say, I got to give at least this amount of time to download what's in my heart, hear what's in God's heart. And then I, I reference in our writing, in our, in our book, I reference that Jesus said, can you not watch with me for an hour? So I make an application off that. But if you're just looking for a black and white command to pray for an hour a day, it's not there. you got to be spirit-led about how you do your devotions. So in other words, if I don't have a great devotional life, I don't have good vision. But when I'm spirit-led and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, man, I can get this every single day. And so we got to be honest with ourselves. First of all, right now, do we have the 2020 vision? If we don't, it's okay. God's grace is there to get us where we need to be. He's going to help us. Let's not take it personal. And then number two, those of us who have it or are going to get it, are we willing to keep it? Everything in life is in motion. Everything is in movement. And things in motion change. And so if you're expecting to do uh, the same thing every day and get the same results just out of you know, religion, you're not going to be able to do it. Even in dieting, if you just say, I'm going to only eat this amount and do this amount of exercise, your body will get used to it and things will change in the negative. I started, we're going to get into the health thing. I started riding my bike. I built myself up to riding 30 miles a day, two hours a day on a bike, and I hardly would burn any calories. I put most of you on a bike for two hours. You're coming back half the person you started. Are you listening? I mean, I've even had Tony Vivid athletes come with me, and man, they are, they are huffing and puffing right around 15 miles. And I'm not just talking like, because some of you, and I think it's cute because you know I like bike riding, you're like, you'll text me or you'll put something on Facebook and tag me in. I, I rode 10 miles today at the lake. I'm not talking like taking three hours to ride 10 miles on a beach cruiser, and then every now and then you stop, and then you talk, and you get something to eat, and you're just like, oh my goodness, let me selfie this. 
No, I'm talking like tucked in. I'm talking like high pace. Are you guys with me? And some of you are joggers, and, that, and you guys scare me, okay? Because, man, most joggers run at the pace that I sprint at. And you know what I'm talking about. If you can run a six-minute mile, if you can run a six-minute mile, what you call a jog, I call a sprint. And that's why I say to everybody here, if you ever see me running, you should run too because I don't jog. I'm running from somebody. So if you ever see me at a high pace moving like this, you just start running as well because that's not exercise. That's called getting out of danger. But you know what I'm talking about, those of you who are joggers, like the way I ride a bike, you build that endurance, but then things change in your body. And so every day if you're setting goals... If you're setting goals, you have to challenge yourself. You have to take yourself to where you've never been before. So if I'm going to do bike riding, one of the things that I read online was bring it back down to an hour, but increase the gears, increase the speed. Go in places where there's hills. Change it up so your body's not just going on autopilot. And so the idea is even with getting my glasses rechecked every year, you have to recheck your vision. Because just doing the thing that worked last year doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work this year. Good habits are always good. Riding the bike is a good habit. But how I ride the bike will need to change over time. Wearing glasses is a great habit, but the kind of prescription I have will change over time. Coming to church, praying, reading your Bible, all of these things will be the basics of your life. But how you focus them in and how you apply them and do them will change over time. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation or vision and make it plain on tablets so that Harold may run with it. For the vision or revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Somebody say it won't delay. Amen. Now make sure you come next week. We're going to have our first year service. It's going to be amazing. We're going to talk about all that God did in the church, give out our end of the year giving reports, take communion together, and then I'm going to preach a word on the weight and the suddenly, the weight and the suddenlies of God to prepare us for the upcoming year. But may may we hear this today in its context. I've already preached a message on Habakkuk verse by verse. You can go back and listen to it as I did in preparation for this message on our app or on the website. Habakkuk is a prophet in the time of judgment. God is about ready to to judge the Israelites and bring the Babylonian army to them and punish them. And Habakkuk is freaking out even though he knows they deserve it. He has a problem with it because all the people he knows and loves are either going to be killed or brought into captivity. And so he needs hope. God has to tell him there's a purpose for this. There's something good that's going to come out of this. And so this is the beginning of what God is going to show him, the good that's going to come out of this. And so the Lord basically tells him, what I reveal to you, what I show you in a vision, you write down and run with it so that others can read what you've written down from me and be encouraged by it and let them know that no matter how long it waits, it's still coming. Come on, isn't that powerful? I believe this year you need to get along with God, get some revelation and vision and write it down. Tell others because God's going to do something great in your life. Do you see the application there? Amen. Let's go to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Understanding how we see things and how even when God does miracles in our lives, we may have to ask for a second helping. How many know it's okay to get a second helping of the blessings of God? How many know it's okay to get seconds of the miracles of God? 
It's okay to get seconds and thirds. How many had seconds and thirds at Christmas? Amen. Look at this story right here. It says, they came to Bethesda, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. So the man is blind. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Now, Jesus spits and does a miracle. I spit by accident, and there's no miracle. But Jesus purposely spit, and there was a miracle. That's why you got to be careful here in the front row. Sometimes the spittle will get going. But Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, spits on the man's eyes and says, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And honestly, that's how I see you as a tree, a colorful tree, but that's how I would describe you as well in that culture. Uh, I just see shapes. I don't really make out colors of eyes, genders, all of those kinds of things. I can't, you know, determine much. So I can relate to this man. Now, wasn't Jesus able to heal him immediately? Absolutely, but there's a reason for a process here. And so we see that in the Bible, the process comes as the man gets his second blessing, the second miracle. So Jesus said, do you see anything? He said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Somebody say, he saw everything clearly. Say it again. I see everything clearly. See, God wants us to do that. Jesus sent him home and said, don't even go into the village. God wanted this miracle to be kept a secret. Now, if you know me, I teach preachers all the time about making allegorical messages out of these kinds of sermons. And so I want to make sure that we're being careful to the context. Somebody say careful to the context. Thank you. That's what I want to make sure we're doing. Your blindness today is not the same blindness as this man. He had physical blindness. That's different. When we make the comparison, we're not comparing it, comparing it to our sins. This man was not in sin. So those of you who say, I'm blind in the sense of sin, and today Jesus is going to give me 20-20 vision, that's not the application I'm making, nor is that to be made here. You becoming saved, free from your sins, no longer being blind, able to see, happens at salvation and in other texts. And if you're not saved today, get saved. But I am talking primarily here to saved people who simply want to see better. Let me make it even more plain. If Jesus came today and did a miracle on my eyes, would that mean that I was in sin? No, it just means I'm going to see better. That's the whole point of what's going on here. The person is going to see better. My application to us as a church today is that in the year 2020, we would have 2020 vision and see better all that we're called to do. Amen? Amen. Now, would you turn over your flyer to the note side as I put up this slide for the things that I believe we should see in 2020? Now, I wrote it on my notes also as a list going from discipleship, family, church, job, health, and extras. So there's six things here. So that's probably going to be the easiest way for you. If you want to try to be artistic on your notes, go ahead and make the same diagram that I have. If some of you want this to be sent to you blank so you can fill it in and have it as a graphic in your computer or something, email info at mpichurch.org or Lauren Sienski, and I'll give it to you without my goals in there if you just want to fill it in, okay? But here are the things of life 
that we should have focus on. We should be focusing on these things. And if you don't see it clearly, go back to Jesus to get another blessing so you can see it clearly. Can I hear an amen? You need to write it down so that people can read it and run with it. When my wife was proofreading this, she got excited. She's like, wow, there's a lot of things I didn't even know you wanted to do here. I see a lot of you taking pictures. That's so 1990s. I have an app built for you. You can get the document there. We have a website built for you, okay? You can get it with all of the other stuff here in the glare, or you can just literally download it from our app or website. Those of you still taking pictures, I love you. Thank you for the honor of being a part of this picture. Some of you are like, they have an app? Yeah, we have an app, MPI Church or Metro Praise International. It will come up. So let me just lead by example today. As I lead by example, feel free to write. So I'm going to assume anybody looking at their phone or writing is not today texting, doing Instagram, whatever, that you're actually participating. Because I do want you to get ideas even while I'm talking. That's okay. I won't take that personal. But I really want you to do it in a time of prayer. Because it's not just a good idea. This has got to be a God idea. Does everybody know the difference between a good idea and a God idea? Oprah's got a bunch of good ideas, but she doesn't have a lot of God ideas, okay? A good idea is just something you think about that makes sense and looks good and maybe helps people, makes your life better. That's great, but that doesn't mean that's God's idea for you. Your idea this year may be able to do this, and God's idea may be to do this. you got to get on God's idea, and there is a difference. Now, all good ideas, excuse me, all God ideas are good ideas, okay? But not every good idea is a God idea. And I could be here all day. That's why you don't want the, the good man. You want the godly man. Can I talk to the women just for a minute? Come on. You don't, you don't want just a good man. You want a godly man. Now, truly, only a, a godly man can be good. I understand that. But you know sometimes it gets deceiving when you meet a good man. He's got a job, and he goes to church every now and then. But, you know, he takes care of you. No, no, no. You got to go godly. You got to see a man that prays, going to lead the family. Okay, so God ideas. I start with discipleship because no matter how much you grow in Christianity, you're always a disciple of Jesus Christ. My, and, and if you look at it, I have goals and actions, goals and actions. So the first goal is that for me personally, as I was praying, I want freedom from fear and walk in perfect love and faith because for me, fear keeps me back from a lot of decisions that I, uh, a lot of good decisions I need to make for the Lord and to follow his path. I'm telling you, fear impacts me. A lot of people look at me and they're like, man, you're so bold, pastor. How could fear ever mess with you? But it really does. Fear for my family. I, I, you know, I, I have six children to take care of and I don't want to take a step of faith that hurts them. You know, I don't want them, uh, I don't want to make a step of faith and give to missions and then now we have have to meet, eat, eat ramen noodles every day, and then my children get mad at the missionaries, and then when they meet the missionaries, they're like, you took away our hamburgers. Now we eat ramen all the time. I don't like you missionaries, you know? Or I, you know, I drag them to church eight days a week, you know, and then all of a sudden, they're like, I don't like church, you know? I, I want to make sure that I don't make decisions out of fear. I want to do it out of faith. Maybe for some of you, a decision may be, I don't, you know, I don't ever want to look at pornography again. I don't ever want to curse again, except curse out the devil. I don't ever want to uh, live in greed. I want to be generous this year. You know, put down the things that you have in your heart that you know God wants you to do. And then you can see you can put an action right there. So for me, it's not just good enough to have a goal. I need to have some action steps. So what's an action step that I can take against this bad habit of acting out of fear. Well, 
Anytime that I have a thought come into my mind that's not of God and of faith, I can take it captive and begin to bring it into the plan of God, no matter how scary it seems, no matter uh, how on the outside it doesn't look good. I need to take those thoughts captive and go, I trust Jesus. So you have to write down those things. The The next one for me is see more gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. So seeing the gifts of the Holy Spirit for me is a big deal. I want to be able to uh, interact with the Holy Spirit more and see more prophecy and healings and those kinds of things. And so an action step for that is to make sure every day that I'm listening to the Spirit. And when I go out and preach, I'm not just telling people stuff like, hey, repent of your sins, that I'm actually having inner dialogue like listening. God, what do you want me to tell this person? You know, I could win an argument but still lose a soul. I want to make sure that I'm saying what you're saying, God. Now, if you notice, for every goal, I have a scripture. So put down scriptures that match the goal and then start putting out action steps and things that you can do. That's for me personally in discipleship. The next thing is family. A goal that I have for the family is to do more ministry together with my wife. That's where she got excited. She's like, oh, that's awesome. So what do I have to do to be able to do more ministry with my wife? Well, we've got to find someone to watch the children. So I want to actively start pursuing trusted babysitters, put together a list, look at our financial budget, and be able to free my wife on certain days to go out and do ministry with me. I want that in my life. That to me, many of you don't know this, but I met my wife at Mardi Gras Outreach. Some of you do, but many of you don't. So my wife and I have a special place in our hearts for outreach and being with each other. So that's a great marriage building place is to do ministry together. And so I want to make sure I have money in the budget for that just as if I wanted to go out to see a movie with my wife, okay? And that's I'm really being honest here. These aren't things to try to impress you. These are things that I'm setting forth to do. And I challenge anybody here to look at these a year from now and to talk to me about it. So uh, by the way, just to let you know my personality, I'm not a big small talk person, and many of you know that as we talk after service. Uh, Once we start talking, it gets awkward kind of fast because I go right into your life, and I talk about my life. I have no problems you asking me about these things. Uh, The weather's always going to be fine to me, and I'm always doing good because Jesus is good. You want to talk to me? Ask me how I'm doing with my wife getting ministry time. You know, Ask me how I'm doing with seeing spiritual gifts. You'll catch my attention in 30 seconds, and we'll be here until they have to kick us out to clean the place. Are you listening? Like These are my passions, and so... This is why I'm sharing it with you, and then you need to write it down and share your passions with others. Share it with your wife. Share it with the people you're in discipleship with. Share it with your life groups. You know, these are the things we care about. The second goal for my children uh, is for my families, for my children, and I want to be able to do more devotional time with them, and they start practicing reading, memorizing scripture. We already sing songs and do a little scripture memorization, but I want them to start going through an official, like, devotional, so I think I might use mine reduce it down for them a little bit. And one day we should have a children's devotional. We've kicked that idea around. But that's where I want to be with my family. Do you see the goals and the action steps? What are you guys getting as you're, you're listening to me? Write them down so you don't forget. But most importantly, make time to pray this week to go through them. Then we have the church. Now, see, to me, the church comes right after family in the sense of I'm always going to make sure church doesn't hurt my family. But church comes right from God, so I can't make uh, my family an excuse not to do things in church. Does everybody get that too? So a lot of times people are like, you know, you know, it's always about family, family first. Well, that's not necessarily true. If I got to bring my church, uh, my family to church first, otherwise I'm not going to have a good family at home. But if you mean by like 
the activities of church, your family should make sure you, you put your priority of your family first. I agree with that. I don't, you know, want a pastor to the point where I hurt my family. And God would never really ask us to do that anyway. So a lot of times when I see people being confused with this, there's two kinds of people. It's the people who want to do more than what God's asking them to do because they're, they're trying to make something happen. They're basically trying to get a Hagar instead of wait for an, uh, you know, uh, Sarah to have Isaac, thank you. And you're just, you're just running too far ahead out of fear and out of lack of patience. And then there's the other folks that are lazy that always say, I have to stay at home, my wife's sick. Like, what are you doing when your wife's sick, man? Are you cooking her something? Are you rubbing her feet? No, you're just watching the game. That's really what you're doing. I just don't feel like going to church because it's going to be more work for me to bring the kids. I'll just stay home because my wife's sick. So we on to some of you with that, by the way. Okay, so now let's get to church. The goal here, help start new MPI churches. This year, we really want to launch out in different campuses. We've been talking about it for a long time. It's on our banners. We want to see 50 churches in this city. We have some great opportunities, I think, this year that are going to come up even here and around the state. So I have an action goal to help the interns and pastors do that. The second goal is to increase in disciples, life groups, SUN students, finances. So you see I have jobs separate because I also do things outside of the church, but my job is also the church too. So I oversee all those things, and I want to see every one of them increase. How many of you guys want to see life groups increase? How many want to see more disciples come to church? So we share those same goals as well. And then some of the action steps we will talk about uh, Sunday, and if you weren't here last year, you can actually look it up, uh, 2018 in review, and you can see our action steps. And so this year, I won't you know, tell it all now, but uh, 2019, a lot of those goals were met because of your hard work and your giving. Thank you so much. Now your job you know, is going to come after all of those things in the sense of order, but still, it's very important because if you don't have a job, you don't have money, and you can't go to church and take care of your family and do anything, right? So that's why I kind of build it in a circle because everything should revolve around God. It's like every spoke in the wheel is important in its place. God is always first, but once again, if you don't have God in your job the right way, you could be the greatest disciple, but you'll be homeless. Okay, how many don't want to be a homeless disciple? Okay, you could be the greatest one out there winning souls and everything, but if your family is not right, you're not right, okay? So just, just always think of this more as a circle than just as a priority list because all of these things are important. Now, for me, my job that I put here is outside of what I would have to do to be responsible as a pastor. These are goals and things that God has given me personally to do. The first one is to write three books this year. I, um, the Catholic one, the Real Saints Don't Pray to Saints or Angels, is just about ready to come out. It's probably going to come out on the 1st of January. Then, by God's grace, in uh, 2020, going to finish the book on suicide. Then fini uh, finish my book on a Christian catechism, which will kind of be like a devotional you can use with your children. It's like a lesson on how to learn the, the scriptures and uh, the doctrines. And then um, the doctoral uh, dissertation, I want to turn that into a book on identity. So that's three books there, and those are the goals. Uh, that's the goal, and there's the action steps, and then passive income to match income. I want to become independently wealthy. Does anybody else want to be wealthy for Jesus? I, I, felt, I felt like that was going to be a weird segue, but here I am, so I'm just going to own it. 
dude, I so want to be wealthy, but I do not want to love money and let that control me. And I don't want to become wealthy off of selling you books. That's why I give away everything. I don't want, let's put it this, let's be very clear. I don't want to become a celebrity pastor and I don't want one dime of my wealth to come from what I do as a pastor. I don't want conferences. I don't want to travel. I want to make wealth like how you make wealth, okay? I want to invest in stocks and houses and land and business and do that so that we can do something for our family. And every time I make money on these things that I'm doing, I give more tithes and I give more offerings. I personally tithe 10% and give offering of 5%. So 15% of whatever I make as these side gigs goes right back to Jesus. And so I'm so happy about that. And I want to encourage you to write down whatever your goals are. You know, what are your goals in that? And I, I'll support you, okay? We can all become rich together. But if we do it, we do it for the glory of God because otherwise the Bible says those, those, the, that wealth and that money is going to rot your soul in hell for eternity. Does anybody want that? No. But how many want to be blessed? Now, if you don't want to become independently wealthy and you don't want to have a lot, that's awesome because we need employees, okay? Our businesses will need employees, and I mean that. I mean that. That is not, that is not to mess with you. So I'm just being honest with you. Some, some just do not want the pressure or the stress. Just let me ch- check in, check out. Let me be the manager. I'm glad I'm not the boss. How many know people like that? I'm just telling you. But for those of you who got goals this year, I'm telling you, let's make it happen, Captain. Amen? Otherwise, we'll, we'll have great employees. I really want great employees. Okay, health. You got to have goals for health. Amen? How many got goals for health? Health and wealth, baby. Now, all of this stuff is not just health and wealth, but some people ask me, like, are you a prosperity preacher? Yes, because I'm not a poverty preacher. I believe God wants to bless us. Now, if you mean, do I believe that riches always equal blessings? No, I believe a lot of rich people are going to hell, but I don't believe that riches always equal curses either. And so the desire of the heart sets the, sets the heart on its course. Is my desire to be rich, to have power and money and all that? No, my desire to be wealthy and to be blessed in that sense is to have opportunities to do good for others. Okay, now if God doesn't want me to have it, then he'll speak to me. But remember, I'm the one that prayed and kind of got that, okay? Okay, and then it's the same thing about health. Are you a, a you know, health uh, preacher? You know, you believe in healing? Absolutely. I just don't believe you have to send in $100 to get some magic water or to have some cloth sent to you or to go to five conferences. I, but I do believe God wants you to be in good health and prosper. Just read 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Man, by the way, there's two verses in each one of these six things. I could read 12 verses right now, but obviously we don't have the time. Okay, so here's my personal goal, a little bit awkward talking about it right here. Uh, I've won a weigh around 205 pounds and have a six-pack. Um, the closest I've come to that was last year. I weighed 212. Now I weigh 221. So those of you know, I went from 280 down to 212. So I was a lot of weight loss. And it was that same journey. But then, you know, I got tired of doing that all the time. And riding my bike two hours wasn't burning the calories and all those things I talked to you about. So now I'm about 221, which is nine pounds off of my goal. It's been about a four-year journey. Yeah, it's getting about four years. And so I want to lose about another 15 pounds and have that six-pack, okay? That's not for you to look at me and stumble, ladies. And by the way, let me just say this right here because I know we got a lot of holy people in this place. A shirtless man is not inappropriate, Okay, so if you ever see me with my shirt off or another brother with their shirt off, and by the way, when I was, a little, when I was like your age, I would take off my shirt. People would be like, oh, look at you, Joe, with your shirt off. Now I take off my shirt. They're like, ew, 
put it back on. Please, put it back on. No, but seriously, guys with their shirts off is not a sin. I just feel like telling you guys that because for some reason we label it as a sin now, and it's like an unspoken thing. Let me tell you what is a sin, gentlemen, because some of you I feel are already going here. What is a sin, gentlemen, is you taking selfies with your shirt off, doing duck lip like this, just like the ladies, and putting that as your profile pic. That is creepy and that is weird. Okay, guys? So it's not wrong to go shirtless if you want to. That is totally okay. It's okay to have your shirt off, guys. But don't be weird with your profile pics trying to pick up ladies, you bunch of weirdos. Whoever does that is just weird. I look at dudes, and most of the time they're not even like good-looking dudes. They're just weird dudes, man. And it's, man, what is wrong with you guys? There are some good-looking dudes that do it, you know, and... You know, and I'm like, man, you're like into gym and they're doing that hard look. And I'm like, okay, that's probably acceptable. But anyways, that's my goal. And I'm going to go try to lose one to two pounds a week with Weight Watchers. That's what I'm doing. Um, and I'm not trying to sell that to you either. I have a lot of pastor friends that are really fat and then they become skinny and they want to sell it to you now into the congregation. And I'm like, dude, that's my thing. I want, unless you, unless you call an Uber and I'm driving it, or unless you're buying or selling the stocks or the houses that I'm going for, I don't want to make one penny off you. You've already paid me as a pastor. I'm not here to network market you, okay? And those who do network marketing, that's awesome, but that's not, that, well, that's, that's not why I'm here. And then the, the second goal is I'm going to get braces. Once again, awkward to talk about in front of all y'all on Sunday, but I just wanted to make sure you guys saw an example up here. So my, my teeth right here as an adult started crushing in, and, you know, when I was a kid, if you didn't get it at that age, you just left it as an adult. And now all of the people, like, that do dentistry are, like, figuring out there's a whole market of us kids that never got sold braces. And now, like, they're, you know, they do, they do the little exam and they clean my teeth. Then they, they you know, bring down the paper to show me all the things I can do, you know, kind of Photoshopping a new set of teeth. And then, yeah, exactly. And they're like, you can look like this. And so that's going to be a lot of money, so pray for me. Uh, but that's an idea is to get braces, and i got to find an affordable dentist to get braces. Okay, some of y'all I know go back even to the motherland to get work done, like in, you know, Guatemala and all that stuff. There's no way I'm doing that, but God bless those of you who do that. That is so cool, because why not, right? You know what I'm saying? If they can do it cheaper over there and you can speak the language, I just have a feeling like because I don't speak the language and everything, it would just go horribly wrong, dude. It would just go horribly wrong. And then what am I going to do? You know, I can't sue Chancho from Guatemala. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just no lawsuit for that. So if you know any affordable dentists around here, let me know. Okay, somebody say extras. Okay, we've made it through some of the awkward parts. Here we go. Now we all have extra things in our life. What do you want to do? What do you want to do extra? For me, it's to get graduate, get a doctorate. Of course, I have to do my dissertation to do that. And then I'm learning conversational Greek with my wife, whose family's from Greek, so that I can translate the Greek New Testament. It's been really hard for me as a theologian all the years to, to read Greek because they taught it to me very backwards. They taught it to me with grammar and rules. And it's so funny. I know grammar rules. My wife, who's a fluent Greek speaker, doesn't know. But she speaks Greek amazing, right? So who cares about my grammar rules? So now they're teaching the theologians to go back and do this. Learn conversational Greek so that you can feel comfortable with the language and then learn how to dissect it. All right, did you get any ideas up here? Let's go through them quickly. Discipleship. What do you want to do this year to grow as a disciple? In your personal walk with the Lord. Think about those things. Family. 
And those of you who are single, set goals for what you want to do for yourself or if you're a single parent for your kids as well. For those who have a desire to marry, set those goals and the, and the trajectory of where you're facing in life. Church, what do you want to see happen this year in church? What do you want to do? Graduate 101, graduate 201, come an elder or deacon, start a life group in your home, bring the gospel truck to your neighborhood. Think of fun and exciting things to do with the church. Your job, what are your goals? I mean, just, just be honest with yourself. If your goal is just to have a good, secure job and to you know, make the kind of money that you can live a comfortable life, that's awesome. Be good at that. Be reliable. Be a good employee. If some of you, you want to start other things, ask God to help you to do that so you don't lose everything on betting big. You know, uh, Health. How many of you want to see some health goals come about? You want to see your health get better? Maybe drink less coffee, less caffeine, less energy drinks. Take more better care of your body. And then extras, what are those goals that you're setting in your life that you're saying maybe they don't fit into these categories? And by the way, put as many categories here as you want, but you look at your life and you go, man, these are things that I want to achieve this year. Maybe learn another language, travel more, uh, do something that I've never done before. Put those things up there and believe God for them. Could we close today in prayer as the band comes? Well, rather with the scripture first. Can you go to the closing scripture, please? How many got something out of this? Amen. I hope that you did. I hope that you did. Amen. God has been faithful over my life. And this next year, I want to see more things come to pass than I've ever seen. The old saying is true. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. What harm is it to make big goals in life? What do you lose? The old saying is also true. You aim for the stars... You may not hit it, but you might hit the moon. As we shut down these lights, we need those lights back on there for them, please, in the back. I know I'm running a little late. What, did you, what, what do you lose by writing down goals? But what can you gain? What can you gain? You can gain a lot of focus this year. These lights, gentlemen, I'm so sorry to interrupt what you're doing, but I need these lights back on. It's part of a fire hazard if they don't see an exit. Thank you. What you and I consider important may be different than what others consider important. Like for you, a six-pack is meaningless. Like, you don't care about that, but I do. I care about that. So let me ask you a question. Does God care about that? That's what I need to pray about. That's what I need to pray about. And I prayed about that. I actually prayed, God, what do you want me to do with my body? See, I grew up skinny, and then I became fat over time. I want to go back to being skinny. Now, once again, that may not be a problem for you. I'm not here to judge you on that. I'm really not. I'm really not. That's not what I'm here to do. And if the word fat offends you, I'm so sorry. There's just, I don't know what word you want me to use. Healthy, plump, more to love. Okay, whatever word. But that's how I talk to myself. That's how I considered myself. Okay, I talk about myself that way. Okay, anyways. That's important to me. But what's important to you? God has to be in those conversations. God has to be in there. If you just consider your job something disconnected from your life that you don't really think about God's plan for, it's not going to ever be what God intended it to be. Plug in your job to God's plan for you. Plug in all of these things of your life that matter and pray about them. 
the biggest regret, if you were to ask me right now, Joe, over 20 plus years of serving Jesus, what would be your biggest regret? There, there would be a lot of ones that I could say, like I did this person wrong, or I, you know, I shouldn't have made that decision. But in general, how I would sum up all of those bad decisions was I didn't have clear vision. I tried to keep people in the church that I should have let leave. And then when I didn't let them leave, we fought and we did all this. And see, I regret that. But what was the bigger problem? I didn't have a vision to realize we want sheep, not goats. If I had a bigger vision at that time like I do now, I would just get the catapult out and be like, how far and high do you want to go for me? Catapult them, baby. And just ask them, how high and far do you want to go from me? I will set you free, baby. Give yourself a 24-hour funeral and then put on your dancing shoes because you don't know and we don't know what we've been spared from. I'm telling you. But see, big picture. I missed it. See, it's a vision issue, isn't it? It's really like the Bible says, my people perish because of lack of vision. The same thing with my health. Did I become overweight because I was just addicted to food and I was a glutton. Most of us who are overweight, we're not like that. We're not gluttons. We're not, we're not just addicted to food. What it was, it's very simple. Gain a pound a week for two years and you gain 104 pounds. And you will look back at two years and go, how did that happen? Just a pound a week. 52 weeks a year. It's just my body changed, metabolism changed. I didn't focus. And then before I know it, I look back and I'm almost 100 pounds overweight. See what I'm saying? Because I lost big vision. I lost, I lost the reason why I was supposed to be eating and what that was part of. Food is fuel, you know. It's for enjoyment as well, but we got to use it for fuel. I could, I could preach the whole thing over again. But in all that we do, we need to know that God's going to give us the strength when we do what he asks us to do. When you plug in all of those things into your life, and I plug in all those things like getting a doctorate or, or achieving a health goal or doing these things, we can call upon God, and it's not like one of those Hail Mary prayers, like, oh, God, I'm in the middle of debt because, you know, because I got this, and you told me not to, and I got that, and, and now my job's letting me go, and I even have less money. Instead of throwing out, help me, Jesus, one of those Hail Mary prayers, we're bringing God into our finances. We're literally asking him, should I buy this car? Should I get this job? Should I invest? Should I start this business? We're inviting him so that if things go wrong, we go, God, okay, where did I take a wrong turn here? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And let me just encourage people with starting side gigs or, or, you know, investing in their future like how I am. It's frustrating when you fail a lot, but failing's part of the process. And if you don't put that in the equation, you give up before your breakthrough. And so every person I've ever studied that started their own business or is selling real estate, owning properties and land, there is always a time of testing and learning that skill and understanding that market. And don't give up. Invite God into that process. Can I hear an amen to that? Jesus, would you help us? Can we close in prayer? Altar workers, would you come, please? Sorry for going a little bit late, but let's just end in prayer. Father, we need you. Set our vision on you this year. Give us goals and dreams. Who today has already been being spoken to? Just, just start to stand up with us if you can right now. 
If you're being spoken to, you can start to come forward if you need prayer from just one of these brothers or sisters up here. Or you can talk to the Lord as we get ready to dismiss on your own. But I want to end this in prayer right now. Speak to our hearts, Jesus. We want this year to be different. We want to achieve things we've never achieved before. We want to be ready for the storms and challenges of life. We don't want to feel like, God, we're going through it alone. Jesus, help us, help us, help us. Through you, we can do all things. You give us strength. Who today needs that strength as you start a new year? Seems like a lot, doesn't it? It can almost be overwhelming even just to make your goals, just to be honest with yourself and get on that scale again. Boy, I'll tell you what, when I got on that scale, I was scared. I had no idea I had weighed that much, even though I knew I was getting out of hand. Come on. You got to step on the scale and go, okay, now is the time. You got to face your your bank account, your credit cards. You got to add them all up and start coming up with a plan to get out of debt. You've got to look at your discipler, your one-on-one-er, the person doing the one-on-one with you, and just go through all the junk in your trunk. Come on. You got to be honest. Let's pray for strength to do that. Let's pray for strength to be honest with our lives this year, to set some real goals with some action steps. A few more moments. Take away our fears, God. Give us confidence. Help us with our family, God. Help us to make time. I know so many are busy. So many are busy, God. But help us to be busy for you, doing what matters, God. What good is it, my friends? Come on, a few moments praying. What good is it? to have that nice house, that nice car, and all of those nice things, but not be able to enjoy it with your family, or you catch a heart attack in your 50s, that's a real thing, come on. Come on, let the Lord bless you and your job and your family, the church. A few more moments can change your life. Set your goals. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be great at life, God. Help us to be great at life. Take away any things that are just false dreams. Some of you may have to lay down dreams. Maybe maybe you're the opposite of me. Maybe God has told you to live, you know, in poverty and to give it all up and to go to Mozambique. Well, guess what? We're going to have to support you to do that, but that's going to be a big sacrifice for you. God's asking you to do that. I have friends that have a lot of money in their families and they've given it all up to go live in poverty in other nations. Listen, it may look like it's going backwards, but if it's where God wants you, it's perfect. It's moving forwards. And we'll support you to do that. We'll help you. Come on, a few moments. What are some big dreams God has given you? What are things you got to sacrifice? Plug them into Jesus. Plug them into Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help us to see the big picture of life. Give us 2020 vision this year. Give us 2020 vision in 2020. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. I'll see you next year. You are dismissed. Come forward for prayer if you would like some. Otherwise, we'll see you next year. Life groups, all of those things. God bless you. Firm foundation, I will put my trust.